Thank you, Lord. Praise his holy name. To our Lord. Who dwells in unapproachable light. Who says he's the light of the world. The word says that. Those who trust in him shall never be in darkness. The word says that. He's the light. Thank you for my 
to come talk at me to me. Oh, by the way, you've been good to you too. Don't think you got here by yourself. Don't think that. Don't think you woke up this morning because you wanted to wake up. No, no, no. It's God who woke you up this morning. With your every morning, He wakes you up. And sets you on the right way every morning. And so we come here today to give a praise on this Sunday. We are praising every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And he is worthy, I tell you, he is worthy. If nobody else praises him, I won't praise him by myself, because I know how he's been good to me. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Somebody's been to the doctor's office, somebody's been to the hospital, and the doctor knows wrong, and God stepped in. Tell you, God is the light of the world. He is, a, he is our redeemer. He is our doctor. He's our lawyer. He's our everything. Woo! Come on, praise. You know, I just want to praise you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So I thank you all for being here. I was looking, I was, uh, hey, well, I listened to a song. It's called uh, Gracefully uh, Broken. And I thought about that song. And I said, God comes to us in two ways. He can, he, can, he can bring us to him with a hammer, or he can bring us with honey. <laughs> and I thought about this song, Gracefully Broken. And I said, well, this is what it means when he says, bring it to us with honey. I want us to listen to him. And it, 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 it touched my soul. And, uh, Earl played that song for me, Gracefully Broken. Grace. 
peacefully broken. Ooh. Somebody knows I'm talking about. It's the most beautiful feeling in the world to be broken, gracefully broken. We have to stop thinking about how 
how who we are and what we can do and fall on our knees and bow down to the master of the universe and say, I surrender. I, I just can't live this life. I can't live it without you, which is true. And it is a, our Christianity is one of faith. You have to have faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it tells us to have faith is to be sure of the things we cannot see. It was by their faith that the people of ancient times won God's approval. It is by faith that we understand the universe was created by God's word. So that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. And verse 6 of that same text tells us, no one can please God without faith. No one can please God without faith. For whoever comes to God must have faith that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. Chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. 
as a subtitle there, Jesus is rejected. <clears throat> Because the Bible is true. The scriptures are true. 
So when we're looking at it today, and, I, and, 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 and the, what pain is so bad that you know the people who are hurting, those who are hurting, they don't have to hurt like that. They don't have to hurt like that. If they would only open up their hearts and let God come in their heart, he would change the situation. I'm certain of that. It all comes down to faith and belief. It comes down to those who preach and teaching the truth. And also for those of you in the congregation who are telling the truth to those who you come in contact with. And I understand a bit once again the truth because in the book of Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, God himself told Ezekiel. You know what he told him? He said, they will come and they will want to listen to you and they want to hear all these things, but, but they will not do what you tell them to do. That's what God told Ezekiel. They won't do it. God himself said that. But he said, I want you to keep on telling them. They won't do it, they keep on telling them. He said, they won't realize it until the judgment day. That's what he told Ezekiel. So Ezekiel wasn't working for the person, he was working for, for the judgment day. One thing about the truth is what you, what you hear the truth, that's your responsibility. You can't say you didn't hear it. That's why I started you know, before each sermon. I, I said, you got five minutes, you can leave before the sermon. You got five minutes to leave. <laughs> Don't have to hear it. <sighs> the truth is the truth. Now let us see if we cannot answer this question some people have about Jesus and the Christian faith, which is why can't I believe? Perhaps I've done all these things here. Now, why can't I believe? Just to ask that question tells you a whole lot. To begin to answer this question, let's look at verses 22 and 25 of our sermon text, which tells us, It was winter, and the festival of the dedication of the temple was being celebrated in Jerusalem. Jesus was walking on Solomon's porch in the temple when the people gathered around him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us the plain truth. Are you the Messiah or are you the anointed one or are you the Christ? Same thing. Jesus answered, I have already told you, but you would not believe me. I've already told you, but you would not believe. Now, these Jews have just refused to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus makes it clear that he has already told them. Now, whether he told them verbally or they knew by the works that he did, such as open the eyes of the blind or making a lame walk or healing lepers, or calming a raging sea, or raising the dead. Either way, they knew he was the Messiah. And so it is today. People refuse to believe for a number of reasons. Let me give you a few. First is the lack of knowledge. You cannot believe something unless you have some kind of knowledge of what you ought to believe. Generally, this knowledge comes from 
studying God's word and hearing the priest's word and the Holy Spirit takes this knowledge and makes it real to us. Consider Romans chapter 10 verse 14 which tells us, but how can they call to him if they have not believed? And how can they believe that they have not heard the message? And how can they hear if the message is not proclaimed? Consider Judas Iscariot, who was around Jesus, who was the living, who is the living word, one, the living word, one wonders where was Judas when Jesus was teaching the disciples? Was he at Bible study at the feet of Jesus? Or was he out doing something else that he was uh, that would that piqued his interest? If so, what happened, he opened his soul to the invasion of the enemy. Let me, let me deal with that a little bit more because in Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, verse 3, the text tells us, Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. He wasn't just somebody laying around. He was one of the 12 disciples. And Satan entered into him. So many times we, we open up ourselves to invasion by the enemy. Come on, somebody. What we read, what we watch on TV, what we listen to, and listen to our own mind, we, we open ourselves up. And he's just ready to jump in there and mess things up. But those who stay in God's word on a steady basis, those who have a strong prayer, like who pray to God on a regular basis, he can't get in there. Neither can his cohorts get in there. When you have your mind fixed on the word of God, he can't get in there. We open ourselves up plenty of time, though, we say. And the other thing is that we think that we know it all. So many things happen. They say, well, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to Bible study. i got something else to do. And the enemy says, oh, that's right. That's right. Go ahead. You know, you got to wash your car. you got to do this. you got to do that. Go ahead and do that. Don't go to church. Don't go to Bible study. There's nothing there for you. And he's not talking about anything anyhow. Just go ahead and do what you want to do. There are others who refuse to believe because they do not want to change their lifestyle or the friends they run around with. Well, let me, let me, let me ask you this here. You know, uh, as far as running around with friends and running around, there's, there's nothing wrong with having friends. Like, you know, that's, that's good, you know. But if you think of the long-term eternity, you know, in, in, in the place called, I think it's called Hickel, I believe it is, it's called Hickel, you know, guess who you're going to be running around with? Satan and his demons. That's going to be your friendship. God said that there is a judgment day coming. He says it in the Old Testament. He says it in the New Testament. He says it all through the scriptures. There's a judgment day coming. Whatever you've done, if you're not booked up with Jesus, you're going to pay the consequences, whoever you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter what status you have. You're going to be judged. 
on whatever you did while here on this earth. That's a fact. But they don't tell you that on ABC and NBC and CBS. They don't tell you more of that. You know, because they want you locked into some other foolishness. We're talking about eternal life here. We're not, we're not talking about anything. We're talking about eternal life. This life here is long. Most of us are halfway through it already. It's time to start thinking about the future. I mean, the, earth, the earth is good and all that, but, but I've got something else to look forward to. Now. I, I want to make sure that, that I've got my mansion there in heaven. I want to make sure I'm going to get there. And I'm not going to anybody, anybody stop me from getting there. Now the prophet Jeremiah he can tell us about these people because he went through all of this and he is not called the weeping prophet for nothing. Jeremiah loved the Jewish nation and his biological family. Yet the message that God had him delivered turned both of them against him. But Jeremiah refused to compromise with his people or with his family. When it came to doing what thus said the Lord, Jeremiah was a lonely man. Didn't have any friends. Nobody liked him. Because they wanted him to shut up. Stop talking about that because you're upsetting my life here. I'm trying to have fun. You're talking about all this, this dark stuff. I don't want to hear all that. But God told Jeremiah, keep on preaching to the people. They won't listen, but keep on preaching to them anyhow. And the only way they'll, only way that they'll understand is when the judgment day comes. Then they'll understand, but then it'll be too late. He refused to compromise. It came to doing what thus says the Lord. Jeremiah was a lonely man. Nobody liked him. But Jeremiah could not speak it, for he says in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Then I said, I will not mention him, meaning God, nor speak any more in his name. But the word was in his heart. It was burning like a fire that was shut up in his bone. He couldn't stop even if he wanted to. Even his family didn't like it. Even the people didn't like it. But he couldn't stop preaching what thus says the Lord. Couldn't. Jeremiah goes on. Jeremiah goes to the Lord with his complaint. And he complains to God about this. He complains to him. He says in Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, and the Lord answers him. And he says, Jeremiah, if you get tired racing against people, how can you race against horses? If you can't stand up in the open country, how will you manage in a jungle by the Jordan? Even the members of your own family have betrayed you. They join in attacks against you. You do not trust them, even though they speak friendly words to you. Just what God told Jeremiah. Well, what a lonely man he was. And then there are those who refuse to believe because of their love for the world. Apostle John addresses this situation in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 16, when he says, Do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. 
If you love the world, you do not love the Father. Everything that belongs to the world, what the sinful self desires, what people see and want, and everything in this world, what people are proud of, none of this comes from the Father. It all comes from the world. See, what God is doing, and sometimes God gets the bad end of this, because sometimes people say, well, God doesn't want me to have any fun. God doesn't want me to enjoy myself. <laughs> no, no, it's just the opposite. God, God wants to, you to be by his side forever. He wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to sit down and handle with him by his right side, and he wants to have a friendship conversation with you, not for 10, 50, 70, or 100 years, but for eternity. But God knows that you can't do it in the situation we're in now. We can't sit by your side like we are now. We're wretched people. That's why he sent Jesus. So we could be able to do that. God's not trying to reprimand us. God loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't let his son die for us. Why would he let his son die for people he doesn't like? That doesn't make a lot of sense. No, God loves us more than we know. And he even has those, those, those kinds of mercy which we don't even know about. We don't even know some of the things that God has done for us. We don't know. Somebody might be sleeping last night and some cancer cells started to come in your body and God just snatched them away and said, no, 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 no. God has these... These, these, these secret things that he does for us that we don't know anything about. Or anything about. Somebody might be chatting our home last night and God, you've got to wait my home. You could have had a flat tire on the freeway this morning doing 70, 80 miles now, but, but God didn't allow it to happen. There's secret things that God does us that he doesn't tell us about. That's how much he loves us. But God doesn't want us to love the world. He's not talking about uh, the world as per se. He's talking about uh, the, the spiritual uh, aspects of the world, the world culture, uh, how people refuse to trust in the Lord, how people are ungodly. He's talking about ungodliness. That's what he's talking about. Now, just think if I was God, or put yourself in your place, you was God. And I made all these people here, you know, I made them, I gave them hops and loans, whatever they give, you know, and I, I give them everything they have, I give them a job home, everything like that. And now, they won't even come and pray to me. They won't even talk to me. I've done all this for them, and they barely recognize me. Every time they recognize me, something bad happens in life, then here they come. But even when we do that, God still loves us. Live every day and also live quite well. It's all because.
to his grace and mercy. Don't love the world, he says. Do not love the world. So those are some of the reasons why, uh, some of the reasons I give you for why we can't believe. And one of the things is one of the main things that we're all caught up in ourselves. We're all caught up in ourselves. We all want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, whatever we want to do. We don't like anybody telling us what to do. We don't like following somebody around because we have our own mind. Oh, by the way, the mind that God gave us. Now, I want to make it clear, we believe because of the input of the Holy Spirit that these other things are side things. But there are other contributing factors. Just as it was refused to believe, generally the Holy Spirit was absent from one's life. They just refused to believe. In verses 25b and 30 of our sermon text, Jesus is speaking, he says, The deeds I do by my Father's authority speak on my behalf, but you will not believe. And, 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 and just before I go on with that, I, I hate to stop and it makes sense like that, but I, 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 wanna, I need to get this in. Think of this for a moment. We said, people, we don't believe in God. God created us. He allows us to live this life, you know. And, then, and yet people say, well, I don't believe. I don't believe there's a God. Well, why else would you be here? Why else would you be living the kind? Who made, who, who, who did it? Did man do that? Did some animal do that? Who, who made you live? Who makes you breathe? Who put the food in the soil? Who, who, why don't you believe? Why can't you believe? To go on, he says this, the deeds I do by my father's authority speak on my behalf, but you will not believe. Watch this here. For you are not my sheep. Self-sufficient. Let me say that again. God is self-sufficient. 
He doesn't depend on anything for anything. He has everything he needs. There is no surprises in his life. You know, he is self-sufficient. And that's why he says, I am what I am. Now, we can now we try to be self-sufficient, but we're not. That's why surprises come in our lives. Tragedies come in our lives. All this here. If we were self-sufficient, we would know it before it happened, but we don't. But God does because God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anybody, he doesn't need us, he doesn't need anybody, which makes his love even greater. He doesn't need us, but he still loves us. Than 
everything. He's talking about us. Come on, he's talking about us. Consider this here. Jesus created everything. And nothing is greater than his sheep. Not anything in the world. Or the next world. Or not anything in the universe. Of all God's creation. Nothing is greater than Jesus' sheep. And the sheep. As are those. Who have a relationship with him. Next time you go to the beach. And look at the big this mighty ocean. Roaring up. Which is thousands of miles wide. Think of this here. To Jesus and to God, you are greater than that great ocean. Next time you look up at the sky, you see the, the, the stars and the, and the moon and the sun and all that. Think of this here. You're greater than all of that. Jesus says you're greater than all of that because you're a sheep. Not anything in the universe of all creations, nothing is greater than Jesus' sheep. Not silver or gold, nor treasures, nor kings, nor queens, nor the largest star in the universe, or the largest whale in the sea, or the largest beast on the land, not the greatest secular minds on earth, nor the richest person on earth. Nothing is greater than the sheep of Jesus. Nothing, nothing, nothing is greater than the sheep of Jesus. Nothing is greater. That's what Jesus says. I'm not saying it. That's what Jesus himself says. I'm so glad that I'm a sheep. I'm so glad I'm a sheep. I'm so glad that I depend on Jesus. I'm so glad when I wake up in the morning, I'm not dependent on my kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not dependent on my, the food I eat. I'm just glad I'm a sheep of Jesus. If I don't have a car, if I don't have no food, if I don't have a
be in front of the building and, and tell him to go to Joy Roll, I mean, tell him to go to uh, uh, Schaefer. He stopped walking the other way. He don't know what anything. He doesn't know what to do. Unless the shepherd's there to lead him, he don't know where, he doesn't know where to go. And that's why we got to keep our hand in the shepherd's hand. Because he'll direct us where to go. Instead of going on our own way, just think you, a sheep, a lost sheep is one of the worst things you can have is a lost sheep. All he can do is sit down there and cry. Because he doesn't have a shepherd with him. The sheep and the shepherd go together. You see, all, all, they can't defend themselves. But they need the protection of the shepherd. That's why David, who considered himself a sheep, is kind of like the greatest king that Israel ever had, and he considered himself a sheep. <laughs> Ooh, that's why he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Maketh me lie down in green pastures. He, Leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That's why David recited that song. He was almost, he was about 80 or 90 years old when he that got that song. But he remembered down through the years how God took care of him. And he realized that he was a sheep. And God was his shepherd. No matter which way he turned, God was always there for him. He went east, God was there. He went west, God was there. He went north, God was there. He went south, God was there. Because he was a sheep and he, God knew that he couldn't take care of himself. So God took care of him. And that's the same with us. We have to let God know, God, I can't, I can't deal with this life. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Need your help. And when we turn our life over to God, God guides us and leads us. But we want to be a stubborn sheep and go our own way. And that's where the problems come in. Consider this here. When a sheep falls down and rolls on his back, if the shepherd does not get to him in time, he will suffocate and die. That's why she sleeps standing up. They're terrified of, of rolling over on their back because they can't get up by themselves. They can't. Unless the shepherd is there, they'll sit right there and they'll suffocate the dead. That's why a lot of times when we're on our backs, God comes and gently rolls us over. We don't depend on God. Guess what? You lay right on your back and you stay right there. And the, the worst and the worst and the worst things get 
because the shepherd is not ruling your move. Oh, man. When we fall down, the shepherd will pick us up. We want to believe we have to become a sheep. We want to know how to believe we have to become a sheep. We have to forget about ourselves and become humble and depend on the shepherd for everything. And then you will hear Jesus call our names. But not only this, but in verse 30, Jesus said, the Father and I are one. There was nothing more satisfying, nothing more gratifying, nothing more comfortable than knowing that you're a sheep of God. Because you know that God is going to take care of you. He takes care of his sheep. That's why he always says, Lord, through the Old Testament, New Testament, you hear this one word all the time, humility, humble, humble yourself. Sheep is a humble person. Humble yourself when things are going bad in your life. Fall on your knees. Humble yourself before God. Say, God, I'm a sheep. I can't help myself. And God will come to your rescue. Because that's what a shepherd does. Takes care of his sheep. Humility, 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 humbleness, humbleness. I say it all the time. Be humble. Because outside of humbleness, there is nothing that we can do. There are people bigger than we are. There are other people richer than we are. There are other people better in physical condition than we are. But with God, with God, none of that matters. Because we're the sheep, and God has promised to take care of his sheep. Ooh, my goodness. When you wake up tomorrow, and say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a sheep. Not a wolf, I'm a sheep. Not a tiger, I'm a sheep. I can't defend myself, and I don't need to defend myself, because God will defend me. I don't need to feed myself, because God will feed me, because I'm a sheep. So not only is the shepherd calling out God himself, calling, but God himself is calling his sheep. I believe I hear the shepherd calling my name. I believe I hear the shepherd calling some names in the sanctuary today. I believe I hear the shepherd calling
always do it. You're the only one who knows how to do it, when to do it. We thank you, Father, because you always do it. Our backs against the wall. I realize the ball ain't there no more. We can scoot back. Father God, we lay on our sick beds. Sometimes we say, well, why me? Why you do this to me? Why you hurt me, God? But yet still, in your eternal love, you remove the sickness and forgive the words that will pass through our minds and say such things to you. A holy God sits on the throne who consider allowing his son to dwell in the likeness of flesh. Father God, you're awesome. Somehow you always do it. We ain't got to know the logistics of how you've done it, but you does it. And all you say is just thank me. Thank you ain't enough. But you said it's enough. So we thank you right now, Father. We thank you right now, Father, for all that you do. We thank you, Father God, for allowing us to be sheep in the fold, Father God. We, we thank you, Father God, even though we're sheep, when we, we stumble, we, we fall down in the hole and you scoop us up, Father God. We make funny mistakes. We make messed up decisions. We say wrong things sometimes, but you in your infinite love, Father God, you take us, Father God, and you does it. You forgive us. You wash us clean. Thank you, Father God, for what you do. And you make this wonderful love available to everybody. Let every ear hear about the wonderful love of God that's available in His Son, Jesus Christ, by faith alone. Because your Son, He did. It's finished. And He sits at your right hand. And He hears His prayers right now. And he takes these prayers to you, Father God, for the whole world to hear, Father God. Let them believe on the name Jesus Christ above all else, because no, nothing else matters. Not rent, not family affairs. Let them believe in Jesus Christ, Father God, because they nothing else matters right now. They lost your job. You don't have money. You don't have nowhere to go. You don't have a house. It doesn't matter. You got Jesus. I'm standing right here. Jesus' name. Amen.